0: on let's give it up for Jesus once again well we want to welcome you to Christ Fellowship my name is Carlos and I get to serve as one of our teaching pastors here at Christ Fellowship and I want to take a moment and welcome all of our local campuses all across Miami-Dade West Kendall Doral Homestead Redland Coral Gables and downtown and for those of you who are watching us online Christ Fellowship can we give it up to them as loud as you can come on Well, we started a couple weeks ago this new series called Miracle Worker. We've been looking at some selective miracles that Jesus performed, and there was always a purpose behind that miracle. So, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Mark chapter 6, and we're gonna begin in verse 37. Here's what the Word of God says But he answered them, meaning Jesus, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, his disciples, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And so they give the five and two fish and they put it in the hands of Jesus. Say with me, in the hands. Amen. Say it like you mean it, in the hands. Amen. All right, you can have a seat now. You know, one of the most debated questions of our time uh, that sometimes can create conflict and animosity and strife is the following question. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? In other words, who is the GOATs, the greatest of all time? Is it LeBron James who played for the Miami Heat and has four NBA titles, has scored over 35,000 points, or is it Michael Jeffrey Jordan? All right. All right. I I can finish this illustration. I don't have to prove a point. I can just go home now. Or is it Michael Jordan, who's won six titles, went to the NBA championship game six different times, scored over 32,000 points. Now, at all of our campuses, if you're watching us online, uh, let's have a little fun here. If you think it's LeBron James, make some noise. Come on, make some noise. All right. If you're watching us online, you can put LBJ Carlos. It's definitely LeBron James. If you think it's Michael Jordan, make some noise. My goodness. Listen, there are compelling reasons as to say that LeBron James is the greatest of all time. There's also a lot of compelling reasons, which is why the majority of you are saying Michael Jordan. But here's what I think all of us can agree on, even if you say it's LeBron James. You see, if the game is on the line, and both LeBron and Michael Jordan are in your team, who do you want the hands in the ball? Who do you want the ball in the hands of? Do you want Michael Jordan taking the final shots? Or do you want LeBron James? And I think all of us can agree that if the game is on the line, if your championship hopes are on the line, if your career can be affected by the outcome of the game, I think all of us would say, we want Michael Jordan to have the basketball in His hands. In fact, with all of that in mind, take a look at his last shot as a Chicago Bulls basketball player. Take a look at this video clip. Michael Jordan at this advanced stage of his career has to carry the team. He has to play extra minutes in a grueling series. And that last sequence in the final half minute plus is one of the greatest sequences you'll ever see in any sport. Now the Bulls would like to get two-for-one possession here. Try to get a quick score against the free throw line to give them two opportunities to one. Hip and the Jordan. Michael working on Russell. Brings them to within one. Michael takes it right to the rim and lays it in. So now we need a stop. When he made a layup and he went back down, I knew they were going to run that patented play through Carl Malone. He ran that play a couple times prior. And Dennis and, and Malone have been fighting all game. And Carl just totally forgot that I was on the weak side. Malone is doubled. They swat out of it and steal it. Michael never clears. so Malone doesn't see him. He comes from the blind side and strips him. Now I got the ball and I can see Phil, you know, basically out of the corner of my eyes. He wasn't going to call a timeout. If we could do something without them, Talking about it, working against a set defense, we'd rather go with a light ball situation. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. What's going through your head when you're coming back up the floor? Get out the way. <laughs> get out the way, only thing I was thinking. When I scoped over the floor, I felt like I can get a jump shot off or I can get all the way to the basket. So it's just a matter of me picking the right time, when the attack. Jordan, open. Chicago with the lead. Timeout, Utah. 5.2 seconds left. Michael Jordan running on fumes with 45 points. At the end of the game, you got to get it out of his hands. He's a killer. That's why he is the greatest of all time. Look at what they said. At the end of the day, you got to get it out of his hands. He is a killer. Now, let me bring all of that over to our teaching for today. Because don't miss the point in all of this. Because just like the Chicago Bulls basketball players, their entire staff, the coaching staff, wanted the ball in the hands of Michael Jordan just like that. And this is our big idea for this weekend. We are to put everything in the hands of Christ, everything in God's hands. But with that being said, there is this one area in particular that oftentimes we have a difficult time placing in the hands of Jesus. What's that one area? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through this narrative in Mark chapter 6, if you have your listening guides, your app. Make sure that you take it out now. Take out your phones. We love to take notes here. And this is the first point that I want you to write down today. God wants us to trust him in all areas of our lives. Amen? God wants us to trust him in all areas. Now, let's go back to the narrative in Mark chapter 6 because we're going to take it from verse 34. Here's what the word of God says. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd... And he had compassion on them, so he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now let's stop right there. Because at this juncture of Jesus' ministry, he had been doing ministry for some time, so he was a very popular person. In fact, everywhere that he went, there was always a crowd that would follow him. Why? They wanted to see what was the next miracle that he was going to perform. They wanted to see who is the next person that he's going to heal. And so Jesus sees this massive crowd, and the word of God says that he has compassion over them. So what does he begin to do? He begins to go on a preaching marathon. Preaching after preaching after preaching. And he doesn't have a timer like the one that I have right behind you. So he's preaching till late in the day. And the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, Jesus, you're preaching awesome. But it's late. And everyone in the crowd is hungry. So send them out so they can buy something. So they can go to Outback. Or let's make it more Miami so they can go to Pinecrest Bakery and get some food. So what is it that Jesus says? Look at what the word of God says. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. In other words, there is a need. Fill that need. Provide a meal for this massive crowd. Do something about it. And look at what the disciples say. And he said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them to the, to, so they can eat? In other words, are you telling us, Jesus, we have 200 denarii in our wallets? Are you telling us to go uh, to Publix and get food for this massive crowd? Do you not see how many people are in this crowd? There are over 5,000 people here. We don't have enough. In fact, if we see the narrative from John's perspective in John chapter 6, verse 7, Philip, one of his disciples, says the following 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. Say it with me, not enough. not enough. Oh, say it like you mean it, not enough. Not enough. So Philip tells him, Well, we don't have enough. Think about this for a moment. The disciples had been following Jesus closely for over three years. They had front row seats, courtside seats, to all of the miracles that Jesus had performed. They saw Jesus turn water into wine. They saw Jesus raise a a young girl from the dead. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Jesus heal the paralyzed man. Now they're saying, we don't have enough. They had the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That is who you are. But now they're saying, they don't have enough. They had Jesus in the flesh. They were so fixated on what they didn't have rather than being fixated on who they had. They were so fixated on what they didn't have rather than being fixated on who they had. And isn't that how we live our lives sometimes? God, I don't have enough. God, I don't have enough money. God, I don't have enough stuff. God, I don't have a big enough home God, I don't have enough shoes. God, I don't have enough in my retirement accounts. And oftentimes we can live our lives missing out on the blessing because we are so fixated on what we don't have rather than being fixated on who we have. And I want to remind us today, if you're a child of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus is always with you. And because you have God, you always have enough. How many of you believe that today if you're watching us online? So they were focused on what they didn't have. And so the narrative continues in verse 34. He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So go out to the crowd and see what's out there. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. They come back to Jesus, they say, five and two fish. So now Jesus says, all right, I'm going to do the miracle now. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all say it with me all, all. say it like you mean it all. all. They all ate and were satisfied. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. The disciples say we don't have enough. Jesus says go out and see what's out there. They come back with, back with five loaves of bread and two pieces of fish, and Jesus does the miracle of provision. And the word of God says that 5,000 people, men, were fed. In fact, if you include the women and the children, Bible scholars believe that there were over 20,000 people. 15,000 were women and children. And the disciples thought, at first, they didn't have enough. Now, where did the five loaves of bread and two pieces of fish come from? Well, Mark doesn't give us that detail. But in the narrative of John and John's perspective, Look at what the word of God says in John chapter 6, verse 9. There is a boy who has barley loaves and two fish. So this was a little boy's lunch meal. Now, when we think of five loaves, what comes to our mind, we think of long pieces of bread like French bread that you get at Trader Joe's, or Cuban bread that you get at Vicky's Bakery. But in fact, the word loaves there. In its biblical context, it actually means biscuit. So these were not like five long Cuban breads. These were more like five Cuban crackers. <laughs> five little Cuban crackers and two pieces of fish. Think about this for a moment. Jesus does not feed the 20,000 people there with the 200 denarii that the disciples had. But instead, with the little boys lunchbox why because it's not about the amount it's about the trust and I believe the bible doesn't say this but I believe that when the little boy found out that Jesus wanted his lunch he's like he can take it the one who turned water into wine wants my lunch the one who walks on water wants my lunch The one who healed the blind man wants my lunch. Oh, he can take it all. Because I know that he's going to be able to provide for the entire crowd. Yet the disciples did not trust in that moment. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor Carlos is just a lunch. It was just his happy meal, what's the big deal? Try taking a happy meal from a little boy or a little girl. It's not gonna be a happy meal. <laughs> it's gonna be a sad meal. I can't even take the sweet and sour sauce from my children. You see, for that little boy, that lunch was all that he had and he put it in the hands of Jesus and Jesus was able to provide over 20,000 people and so here is the answer to the question that I posed in the beginning of our time the one area that oftentimes we have a difficult time placing in the hands of Jesus is our stuff is our resources it's our money. See, oftentimes we don't have any problem placing other things in our lives, like our children, our family life, our career life. But when it comes to our stuff, wait a minute, time out. That's my stuff. That's my money. That's my income. Those are my resources. Really? Really? Because the word of God clearly tells us that everything that we have belongs to God. Our job is to steward what God has given us. In fact, let me give you an example of how we sometimes live in our lives. I want to invite Andy to come up on stage. Can we give it up to Andy as loud as you can? Come up on stage, Andy. Andy's part of our staff team and, you know, I have a smaller car and so Andy... You know, I need, I need to move some things at home. You know, Shawnee's making me do some stuff at home. And so can you let me borrow your, your, your pickup truck? You have a nice pickup truck. Can, can I use it? Cool. Isn't, isn't Andy awesome? He's letting me borrow a truck. Yeah. few of you. Great. Can I use it for two weeks? Sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> can you imagine after the two weeks are done, because Andy has been so generous and I can use it for two weeks, I have him and Kelly, who is his wife, over for dinner with Shawnee and I, my wife, and we're having pasta, lasagna, salad. And I tell Andy, Andy, you know, I have been praying about this. I feel so much conviction in my heart. Shawnee and I are on the same page. We're going to give you back your truck. We're going to give you back your truck. What would be his reaction Dude, it was my truck to begin with. (laughs) What do you mean? Can we give it up for Andy, loud and clear? (laughs) Hello. That's how we are with God sometimes with our stuff. Oh, God, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you some back. And God is saying, it's mine to begin with. But here's the good news. Everything belongs to God. And I want you to write this down as your next point. God provides for our needs. Every single one of them. Here at Christ Fellowship, we don't preach prosperity gospel. Meaning what? If you give, God's going to make you rich. If you give, you're going to live in wealth. We don't preach that. On the other spectrum, we don't preach poverty gospel. Meaning what? Well, if you're broke, the more broke that you are, the holier that you are. The less that you have, the closer closer you are to Jesus, you're holy, holy, holy. No. There are some great men and women of God who have a lot of wealth. We don't preach prosperity gospel. We don't preach property gospel. We preach provision gospel. Provision gospel. That's why the word of God says in Psalm 81 verse 10, I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt Open your mouth and I will fill it. What is that? Provision. Say with me, provision. How many of you believe that today? Provision. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. That is provision the word of god says in philippians 4:19 my god will supply some of my needs few of my needs the small needs every single one of your needs how many of you believe that today across all of our campuses god provides but i know what some of you may be thinking pastor carlos i get all that But I'm broke. I don't have enough money. I'm having a difficult time paying all of my bills. I'm late on my mortgage payment. I'm late on some credit card payments. Listen, I get it. And I want you to write this down as your next point. God provides however we plan. Our responsibility is to steward The money, the resources that God has entrusted us over us as wisely as we can. Which is why the word of God says in Proverbs chapter 21 verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to what? Abundance. In other words, if you budget your money well, if you put effort, time, and you plan your resources well, chances are you're going to have a greater margin in the area of your finances. But everyone who is hasty, in other words, everyone who does not pay attention to this area, who is in a hurry, doesn't place effort, comes only to poverty. In other words, if you're hasty, chances are you're not gonna have much margin in this area. You see, God provides, but we plan. And so here at Christ Fellowship, we don't only wanna give you the theology behind something, the why. We want to give you resources and tools to help you accomplish what God is calling you to do. So at all of our campuses, we're beginning this class called FPU, Financial Peace University. In fact, how many of you have taken that? Make some noise if you have. Incredible nine-week course. My wife and I took it. If you're watching us online, you can also do it virtually as well. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to live in this financial freedom. So wherever you are, you can text the word FPU together, the three letters, to the number 313131, 31, 31, FPU to the number 313131. 31, 31. You're going to receive a link, and you're going to be able uh, to sign up. So we want you to enjoy and have this resource for you. Now, I know that the moment that I started talking about stuff and resources and money, I know many of you, your antennas went up. You're like, Pastor Carlos, I love the message about baptism several weeks ago. Or Pastor Omar's message about Jesus forgiving all my sins. I don't have to live in guilt and shame. I love that. Or about leading others to become followers of Jesus. But the moment that you said money, oh, it's like you begin to tune out. And listen, I get it. And for some of you, maybe you've been misled in this area. Maybe you've been misguided when it comes to generosity. But we don't want you to miss out on the joy that comes with being generous. So I want to share two wrong theological approaches, two incorrect theological approaches when it comes to generosity that are faulty And perhaps maybe you've heard before, and I want to share with you today. And so if you're taking notes, here's the first one that maybe you've heard before, is give to get. In other words, I'm going to give this check so that I can get something from God. I'm going to give this so that God can give me a bigger home so that God can give me a promotion at work. I'm going to give this check or send this money online so that God can give me that Tesla that my neighbor has with the alloy rims, auto doors, auto windows, automatic, autopilot, auto drive, auto, 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 auto. Tesla auto. The problem with this approach, it makes God seem like a celestial vending machine. You gone to the vending machine? Take out 50 cents. Oh, what do I want today? Cheetos. B2. Here comes the Cheetos for you. What do I want today? A bottle of Coca-Cola. F. One, you shouldn't drink that stuff, by the way, just saying, (laughs) comes your way. In fact, going back to the narrative of feeding the 5,000, the Bible says in John chapter 6, the day after Jesus fed the 5,000 people, over 20,000 people, some of them stayed behind the following day. Why? Jesus, you fed us lunch. Now we want brunch. You hooked us up with dinner last night? Oh, I want some breakfast. And the word of God says in John chapter 6, verse 34, they said, Give us that bread every day. Not only today, they want it every single day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. In other words, I'm not a means to an end, I'm not a means to your bread. I'm not a means to a bigger home. I'm not a means to your boyfriend, to a boyfriend. I'm not a means to a Tesla. I am the means and I am the end. And when you have Jesus, you always have enough. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? If you're watching us online. And the problem with this approach is that it's motivation is greed. The motivation behind this view it's greed. The other incorrect approach when it comes to generosity is this idea that I got to give. Oh, I have to give because if I don't give, some bad things are going to happen to me. God is going to strike me down with the lightning bolt. I'm going to get a flat tire on the way to my job. Oh, some evil things are going to happen to me. And you almost treat like giving back to God, almost like a bill. Like how you would pay your mortgage or FPL. Oh, oh I, I, I got to give. The problem with that approach is that rather than giving out of God because you love him and you desire to give, you give back out of fear and obligation. So now you're giving out of obligation and fear rather than desire and love. And the motivation behind this is guilt. Is guilt. So the wrong approaches are I give to get something out of God. The other approach is, I gotta give to God. So what is the right approach then? I want you to write this down. I get to give. I get to give to the work of the Lord. It is a blessing to give back to God. And the motivation behind this is grace. Come on. It's grace. When you understand that everything that you have is by the grace of God, your wife, your children, the promotion, the title that is in front of your name, behind your name, underneath your name is by the grace of God. It's going to compel you to say, you know what? I get to give to the work of the Lord. I get to be a blessing someone else uh but pastor carlos i worked hard for my promotion i worked hard for my money i worked hard to graduate med school yeah no one's taking away your work ethic and how diligent you've been but who do you think gave you the intellect who do you think gave you the capacity who do you think gave you the influence who do you think gave you the ambition the drive, the health. It wasn't you, but it was God Almighty. By the grace of God, you have the drive. By the grace of God, you have the ambition, the work ethic. Everything you have belongs to God. So my question for you today is where are you? Are you giving to get something from God? I'm going to give to you, God, so that you can give me this. Are you giving to get something from God? Are you giving because you feel like you got to give, obligated to give, almost like it's a bill? Or do you have the mentality of, I get to give? See, every one of us here has a next step. The Bible says in James, don't only be a listener of God's word, but also be a doer of God's word. So if you've never given before, if you've never placed this in the hands of Jesus, your next step is to give for the first time. Maybe you've given before, but you randomly give occasionally. And you're not consistent in your giving your next step is to become a consistent giver you want to produce a discipline over your life a pattern consistency over time leads you to that new discipline consistency over time that's why at Christ Fellowship we have the option of recurring giver my wife and I we do this we know life gets busy You have basketball, soccer, projects, homework. Just life gets busy. This is a great way to hold you accountable and so that you can be consistent in your giving. Or maybe you consistently give, but you're not tithing. Tithe is 10%, and we see this principle all throughout Scripture. Genesis before the law, we see it in the law, and then Jesus actually speaks about it in the New Testament. He affirms it. He says it's a good thing to tithe. Maybe you're not tithing. This is your next step to trust God. Become a tither. Or maybe you tithe, but there's still more in you. You have the capacity, the resources, the wealth to give more to the work of the Lord and to put it in His hands. You know the amazing thing about being generous, and I want you to write this down as your last last point generosity produces blessings. Wait a minute, Carlos, wait a minute. Yeah, we don't give to get something out of God. But make no mistake, every time you do give, God uses that so they can be a blessing to someone else. In fact, going back to the narrative in Mark chapter 6, verse 41, I omitted this part purposely. Because here's what the Word of God says. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all, say it with me, all. Say it like you mean it, all. They all ate and were satisfied. And here's the part that I omitted, and I'm going to read it now. Verse 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Think about this for a moment. Not only did that little boy's lunchbox feed him, his belly, Not only did it feed the 5,000 men who were there, not only did it feed the 15,000 women and children who were there, but the Bible says that there were leftovers, 12 full baskets of bread and fish. I can imagine that the disciples, each of them, took those baskets home and they had enough food Not for a day or a week, probably for the entire month. Why? Because when you give, God will use your generosity to be a blessing uh, to someone else. We have been blessed so that we can be a blessing. How many of you believe that today? Come on and let's give it up for Jesus. In fact, you are here today. You're watching us online. You're at one of our campuses because faithful men and women in the past place their resources in the hands of Jesus and that's why we can come together and gather and worship God there is someone who's going to go to one of our campuses one of the student ministries and there's going to be a young person then rather than being addicted to drugs or other things they're going to become addicted to being a follower of Jesus because you gave to the work of the Lord how many of you believe that a young child is going to hear the gospel in a way that's tailored to them. And they're gonna grow up to become followers of Christ because of the blessing that you placed in the hands of Jesus. We receive so that we can release. God has been good to us. He's been generous to us and we are to be generous as well. And so my question for you today is, Have you been placing this area in the hands of Christ? Have you placed this area, have you surrendered this area to Jesus? I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes at all of our campuses if you're watching us online. Father God, we just come before you, Lord, and God, we're so grateful because you are so good. You have been so generous to us, Lord, and everything that we have, everything that we own, Everything that we do have and don't have, Lord, belongs to you. And so, God, I just pray, Lord, that we may be able to surrender this and place it in the hands of you. Thank you, God. As everyone has their head bowed and their eyes closed today, maybe you're joining us for the first time or maybe you're watching us online and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. The most generous thing that God did for us is send his son Jesus to die on that cross for you. There where you are, you can make that decision to follow Christ today. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but rather it's the condition of your heart and God wants your heart. If that's you today, you can repeat this prayer or pray something similar. Father God, we just come before you And I recognize that I am a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I believe that you died, you were buried, and you were raised on the third day to forgive me for my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord. Be my Savior and be my everything. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and mercy. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen. And amen.